So then a second later, the army guys come out and sort of save Jim from having to kill Hannah's dad in front of Hannah. And they shoot him like a hundred times. And then Hannah's like, dad? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that too. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And today I finally watched 28 Days Later. And this is Alon, and I also watched 28 Days Later. Did you finally watch it? Well, not 28 Days Later, but I did. Good Lord. So I heard about this movie pretty soon after, probably around the time that 28 Weeks Later came out is when I became aware of this. And I bought both of them like on DVD as like a combo pack and just never watched them. I always wanted to get to them, but like so many movies, I just didn't make the time yet. And, uh, you know, this excuse of us doing kind of horror movies um, was like the perfect opportunity. And I really liked it. It's the, there needs to be like a remastered version of this because the one on HBO Max was like very grainy, I guess almost purposely so. Well, I actually, um, Danny Boyle decided to shoot it on shittio, as I call it. It was, a, it was actually like uh, one of the mainstream um, films, one of the first mainstream films of its time to be shot entirely digitally. Right. And because it was the early 2000s, uh, that ain't so good, right? Yeah, so di- Digital has come a long way since then. So apparently he chose to do it like that because he liked the way um, the light was so harsh on, on the screen. It, it gave more of a, like a gritty reality to it. Um, but uh, I'm, I think I'm confused. Is 28 weeks later the sequel? Yeah, it came out in 2007. Is it also star, starring Killian Murphy? No. Ah. Okay. Well, he's not listed on IMDb. I don't know. It was a, I kind of looked up that he wasn't listed on IMDb uh, in the beginning for 28 weeks later. I was like, well, shit, does this mean that he dies? Uh, right. Um, but I couldn't, uh, he doesn't, spoiler alert. Um, I think it was just a completely different production. I think probably Boyle and Garland, like, signed away whatever rights to make a sequel to this and um because i don't think they were involved at all so have you seen the the 28 weeks later so i was actually going to watch it last night when we couldn't record but then i was like this is going to confuse me too much uh so i didn't and also yeah i confirmed garland did not wasn't involved either so i think that none of the original cast just came back for that and it's like it's a it's a continuation of the story, but it's kind of completely different, which makes sense too, because this is like such a compact story of like a potentially global event, or at least a, you know, a UK event. So um, I think it's ripe for that kind of sequel. Um, and that's a mystery we need to talk about later on is how wide did this actually spread. So let's, let's talk about the beginning. Um, first of all, I just want to say the direction this movie veered towards as it was, you know, going along was not what I thought was going to happen, at least not what I've like seen, like bits and pieces of this film. And I, I was like, okay, 
which is good because it's, you know, it always puts me on my toes and I'm like wondering what's coming next. Um, although I did hear about kind of the infamous beginning of this movie with the monkeys. The apes? The apes. I don't know exactly what they were. The chim- yeah. chimpanzees. Probably my least favorite part of the movie. I get, I well, get it's the this- setup. Yeah, you need it for the setup, but I was just like, I don't really enjoy this. Like I was, the the opening shots from like, you know, distress and, and kind of violence throughout the world, I thought was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. And then it's just, they're showing it to a monkey. I actually thought that was pretty cool. Um, but then the scene of like people trying to break out the monkeys and I was like, I, you know, I get it. This could have been, you know, I would, I could have just read this on the screen and we could have gotten to the, the other part. Like that's the, the rest of it is what I enjoyed. I was, conf- so I didn't quite know what was happening. Um, like I didn't quite get what they were there for. And it was only when I looked it up and I was like, oh, they're animal rights activists, but yet they looked so like dystopian and like like it, it gave me a feel like remember when we were watching akira uh yeah. and and akira akira they were like um dystopian like neo dystopian sort of vibe to it that's what i got here it was like a neo dystopian sort of gang breaking into this facility and then i was like animal rights activists those are some pretty hardcore animal rights activists I mean, committing crimes. So yeah, I think they have to be. Because I thought they were going to kill the scientists, but it wouldn't make sense for them to kill the scientists and save the animals. Because that would kind of go against their... Because the the scientist was an animal too. Really, David, we're all animals deep down. No, I agree. I um, I do like how he's pleading with them. Like, no, no, you don't understand. You're going to fuck everything up if you release this thing. Like you have to not do that and then the woman that gets bit um that scene i i think that part is cool like the her getting her getting attacked by the monkey and then it just sort of like the scientist like you need to fucking kill her right now like you guys don't understand i thought that part was cool i liked how it cut from that to where i guess you would say it was like patient zero to um straight to 28 days later um and you didn't need it let your imagination go off on like how this thing got out of the facility like okay she got infected and then you have to assume everyone else got infected and the scientists got infected and then they broke out and they got the whole facility infected and you know just spread from there right yeah which is is interesting because you would i would almost if this was as dangerous and they all knew it was as dangerous as possible and he's already called security. You don't really know what he was able to get across to the security people. But I imagine if the security people knew what was happening, they just like lock the doors and be like, all right, well, we're going to like gas this room or something. Like all of this is now has to die. Well, much to what you just said about if this thing was as dangerous as it is perceived to be, uh, you wouldn't think it would be so easy for a bunch of animal rights activists to break into it. I mean, they probably had an inside person, I would imagine. And that person didn't tell them how dangerous this shit was? Um, Did you like how it was called, like, rage? 
I, I think they just didn't, the, you know, the scientists didn't have a way to describe it. And so, you know, it's not like, because this really almost technically isn't a zombie. It's a zombie movie, but it's like, it's kind of different, right? This is like, I think this is kind of the predecessor for a lot of like, n- you know, newer zombie movies where it's like, we're more worried about like a biological thing. We're more worried about some sort of virus spreading and, and, and turning people basically into zombies or into these like rage filled monsters. Um, so it's, I, I like when it's like, oh, well, we, we, it, I wouldn't have appreciated it if they're just like, no, they're zombies. We call them that because they're very mad. And, you know what I mean? I, I think I, I appreciated that. It was just like more of a uh, kind of a normal description of like, this is what happens to them, you know, and this is, this is why you can't let them out. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I get that part of it. I thought that, um, I don't know. I, I guess part of me wanted them to give a, the, the virus a cool name. Yeah, well, they don't do that, though. No. They call it something, and then they give it a number behind it for the year it's released. And <laughs> Right. Um, Ra- this would have been Rage 02. Rage 02. Rage 01. Shot in 01. Um, the, then the movie decided to take a very um, Walking Dead turn about the walk- it. The Walking Dead took a 28 Days Later turn. Yes. Actually, I was surprised how much... Uh, the Walking Dead basically ripped. Although I don't know when the original Walking Dead comic was written. Well, so one of us looked it up. So, so this was shot in 01. It came out in the UK in 02. It was released in the US in 03, like June of 03, I think. And the first Walking Dead comic was late 03. So this is probably, I think this is more, I mean, maybe he just got the idea and immediately was like, I'm going to turn this into a comic and never thought about doing a TV show with it. So maybe he just did rip it or maybe it was just one of those like, you know, cause kind there's of a, probably a lead time on a comic too. So it might've just been, they both had the same kind of idea. And I was thinking about it too. It's such a smart idea for putting someone in the middle of a zombie apocalypse with no information. It's like a good concept. And it's also, it's a way of like putting the audience into like, the same position as the as the protagonist so i think it's just a good plot device and i'm I, i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that it may have just been coincidence but it's fucking hell of a coincidence yes um but unlike walking dead for this movie we as the audience do have a little bit more information than our main character with the whole monkey thing in the in the beginning um but can you imagine just like with rick grimes and with jim here you are in some sort of accident, you pass out, and obviously you get rushed to the hospital and go under, go through some kind of coma slash brain surgery or whatever, and then you wake up in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Um, and, and Jim kind of says it here, but I would be thinking that I'm still in a coma or that this is just a very elaborate dream that I'm having and would very like, I don't know when I would start believing that it was real, but I probably, part of me would probably never stop believing that part of it wasn't real. Maybe once you meet another person, right? I mean, but yeah, but you meet people in your dreams. I guess. I mean, I'm terrible at figuring out that my dreams are fake and they can be very, very fake. Once I wake up and I realize how stupid it was, but I, uh, so I kind of agree with you on that. 
I um I think the opening is my first, is my favorite part of this movie. Not not the opening, but the opening with Jim where he walks out of his bed. I love the details of it too. Like he he kind of wakes up and there's a key that's been slid under the locked door. Which you don't know who did that, but I guess having, you know, later on you see it, it could have possibly been his parents that that slid the key under there, but it would make sense that it was hospital staff too. Well, it would make sense that this would be your favorite part because you see his penis. <laughs> you fucking do see his penis for a while. And then you see his ass later too. But I meant after that. I meant walking <laughs> around London with, uh, you know, nobody around and him i love him walking through the hospital with all the mess and then he just like starts stealing the soda cans like soda cans are the currency in this new world apparently i mean i I get that seemingly there was some definitely some uh some pepsi contributions to this movie possibly and something called lilt yeah i don't know we don't have that here lilt Um, i guess is like a equivalent of sprite and then tango Tango seems to be more valuable in this world. But yeah, I mean, I just love the idea of him walking through London with no one there. Like, it's such a cool concept. It's been obviously probably done before and definitely copied since. Um, Did you notice I saw out of like the corner of my eye something moving and I rewound it and I wrote it down like at 845 in the movie. He's like a walking. There's a shot of a bridge and there's a car driving in the background. Oh, really? A very tiny, like, speck. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. But, I mean, it doesn't – not everyone's dead, and they do still have cars, so it's not like it's completely, like, out of the possibility. But, I, you know, for what they were going for in these shots, it kind of sucks. So, do you want to know how they got these kind of shots? Sure. Um, a couple of ways. So, what's really cool about this production is that their budget was only $8 million, and they made almost $90 million back, um, which for that time is amazing. Which is why we got a sequel. Right. Well, um, so part of, part of that budget went to obviously closing down some famous London streets, and they did it, they started at like four in the morning till five because they could only close it down for about an hour with the police help um and they figured that if a bunch of like male police officers and male filmmakers like put up roadblocks at five in the morning and asked a bunch of angry people going to work you know don't go to work or be late for work or whatever that they'd cause like some sort of like small riot So what they decided to do is get a bunch of attractive women to go uh, amongst the traffic, including Danny Boyle's daughter, um, to for them to ask the people to if they can wait till they get the shot. Um, And it worked and no one got like overtly angry because they were glad to talk to pretty women for like an hour. Yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the shooting of this was done obviously at early hours. You can sort of tell, but it also just kind of works. Um and the lighting doesn't really seem too too off. Um all of the all of those beginning shots though are so kind of crazy and, and beautiful. Um and I even like the the board of like missing people that he walks up to. 
you know, with all the, at first I was like, I don't really understand what that is, but I guess it does make sense that, you know, people would get bitten, they'd run off and then their family would wonder where they were. And that apparently, um, this movie was kind of considered insensitive for that scene afterwards. And Danny Boyle was like, I shot that before oh, September before, 11th. Before 9-11. Before, yeah. yeah, I shot it before 9-11. Obviously, I wouldn't have included <laughs> it if, I, if I'd shot it after, but, you know, it's in there. Well, what's interesting is they keep talking about a great exodus of London, you know, and you have to assume during that people, even, um, oh, what's his name? Mark in the film was explaining how basically he had to crawl over and climb on top of people to get away from, from certain crowds. Um, people would go missing in that situation. But what's even, what's even more interesting is that this movie was shot almost completely um, in sequence. So from the time from the monkeys to Jim waking up to the, his whole journey was shot in that order. And I know that when Selena and Jim met up with Frank and what's the daughter's name? Hannah? Hannah. Hannah. Frank and Hannah, that scene was shot on 9-11, like on the day of 9-11. So everything before that scene was, you know, obviously before that time. And I, don't, I think that, as it said in like some notes that I read, a lot of this was um, inspiration taken from various tragedies over history. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would have made sense or would have been necessary to remove it. Um, I did really like is a weird way to say it, but the, uh, right after this, he kind of goes into that church and someone had spray painted. The end is extremely fucking nigh. And I was yes. like, that's pretty cool. That but is also that cool. took a long time and you could have gotten bitten while you were making that joke. Um, and I couldn't, honestly, this is the scene where I was like, man, I, I wish this had been a little remastered. Cause when he's looking down on the church, I couldn't tell what it was. I assumed it was bodies. And then obviously you figured out it is bodies, but I was like, I don't know what that is. It is bodies. You know what I mean, no, no, I know what I'm saying is, but it was hard to see. It was like very, very grainy. So after David is uh, confused about all the bodies on the, on the bottom of the church, um, Jim encounters, I guess, what you would call his first zombie, uh, the priest of the church. And I like how he's like, he 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 attacks Jim. Jim hits him over the head with the with the sodas he has, and um, he's like, "I shouldn't have done that." And I'm like, "Dude, that's exactly what you should have done." He's like, "Father, father, what's wrong with you? Father, no, what, what's happening?" <laughs> and then he like, I think he screamed. I can't remember this before or after the father, but he he says something, and it like awakens the zombies downstairs. And then what's interesting about this is like they have this rage, which I guess is actually a good way to describe it, but they like, they can think just as well. Right. Cause there's certain scenes in this movie where they're like chasing after people. And then once they realize they can't catch them, the zombies kind of give up and start going back the other way. You know what I mean? So it's like, they have pretty good, like cognitive abilities in this movie. The, the zombies do. Yeah. Cause like, if you take, you know, since we've been taking walking dead as an example, you have zombies that literally will like run through barbed wire or just run into a wall if they hear something on the other side of that wall. 
like not nonstop. Right. Um, and these, like one of the perfect examples is um, later on in the movie, they're in a car and they're driving super fast and the zombies are chasing them for a bit. But after like a certain length, the zombies just stop running. They just give up because they know something inside them knows that they cannot catch up to a vehicle. Right. Uh, but the reason I brought this up is because they, those guys hear uh, Jim and they immediately aren't just like, you know, trying to claw their way up the wall to the higher ground that he's on. They run through the door in the back because they know they can catch him there. Right. And uh, I did read that that uh, he used athletes as the zombies, which makes total sense because like these things are fast, and it's like it doesn't seem like they're maybe they're a little bit faster than like normal humans these zombies, but it, it's you know it seems like they haven't been given like superhuman abilities like World War Z or something, but it's just like a little bit heightened, which I appreciate. You know, it's it this movie is kind of like it's baked in realism, which is hard to say for a movie like this, but it's like trying to be like, if the worst happened, this is kind of what it could be like. Well, with rage, like basic human rage and anger, that would fuel them to be the fastest that they could possibly be, which is a comfortable, like you said, a comfortable realism between something like World War Z zombies and the Walking Dead zombies. Right. Um, and now we talk about the, the Molotov cocktails. Yeah. So he's running. Uh, he's probably going to get caught. And then uh, Selena and what Mark come upon him and are immediately pretty helpful. Um, and they kind of get him hidden. And then they draw the zombies in and they explode a gas station. Which was a really cool scene. Uh, apparently practical. They really blew up that fucking gas station. So um, that's why thought, they had like 90 camera angles and they like <laughs> repeated the shot, the blowing up shots multiple times. Right. Like we're going to, we're going to get this. Um, so, so yeah, I thought that part was cool with, with the gas station. Um, some of the police weren't notified about it. So they actually called the fire brigade to show up once this gas station blew up. Um, but it cost them a quarter of a million pounds to blow up that gas station. Yeah. So that's where the budget went. So now that Jim has met other people, this is a perfect time for exposition for the audience. We get Jim explaining what happened to him. He was hit by a car as a bike courier, which is why he has that horrible fucking haircut. Cause they, I guess they had to operate on his skull. And then we get it. Uh, selena explaining kind of where we're at with the world although you know given that this is something that happens so quickly you know she doesn't have a great explanation either you know she doesn't she doesn't have all the information on what's happening either i i do find it interesting it isn't explained right then it's explained a little bit later but you have 10 to 20 seconds from the blood getting in you or from you getting bitten until you turn which is pretty crazy. That is really fast. And, and the first time I remember them saying that is when she had, spoiler alert, she kills Mark because Mark has a cut. Um, <laughs> and, but she kills him so fast that you don't see him turn at all. And I was like, well, is that true? And then you, you see it a bit later making it true 
But if you remember in the very beginning with the monkeys, that's how fast that first girl turned. Right. Yeah, no, it's very quick. Until you, but you don't, you almost don't realize what's happening. It, you know, and also with like Walking Dead's like a, probably an example that most people would understand because it's been watched by so many. But, you know, depending on where you get bit, sometime determine how quickly you would turn. And like, you know, so it, it is interesting this, like, the way it's done here. And I think it's, it's pretty interesting. I um, thought when, when Selena went after Mark, after he was bit or cut or whatever, um, and she cut off his arm, I thought she was just going for the arm. I didn't realize she was going for his life. I knew she was because she's like, Mark, did you get bit? And then he's like, huh? no, no. Like he immediately like cowers like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I know what's about to happen. So I knew in his face, which is funny. She says later on, you know, Killian's like, well, did you know? And she's like, no, I didn't know. But he knew. And that's why I killed him. Because I could see in his face that he knew he was, he was gone. Um, what, what I also find interesting in this first little bit, and like, it's really kind of changes once we run into Brendan Gleeson and his daughter. But, you know, they're, he's talking about uh, Killian's like, oh, I want to go find my parents. And Mark's like, fine we'll go find your dead parents tomorrow. And Selena's like, yeah, we never go anywhere alone and we only travel by day. It's like, okay, they have these rules, right? But then after they go find the parents, you know, the parents killed themselves taking pills. And I really love the note, like with Enda's love, we left you sleeping. Now we sleep with you and please don't wake up. You know, like it's really kind of like this beautifully written note. I guess that they maybe thought he would find, even though they hoped he would never wake up. You know what I mean? Right. Um, after they leave that house, they're like traveling at night, I guess, because they have to, but like they travel at night, they're walking just in the middle of the streets. It's not like they're hiding anywhere. It was like, really like they aren't very safe, you know, and Selena's whole thing is about surviving, but it, they don't feel like they're very safe with the way they do this. Right. Well, I was wondering that too. Um, but then again, for plot convenience sake, like they would never have been able to find the Christmas lights on the, the apartment building. Well, they could have just been walking closer to the building. I guess maybe they don't want to walk close to the building in case something's there. I don't know. It just felt like it felt like they weren't being safe. I, we also, I did kind of skip over the scene at the parents' house is pretty cool where he's like kind of having this like daydream almost. I couldn't tell if it was a daydream or if he was actually like watching a video, but I think it was just a daydream. Oh, I thought um, he was watching a, like a whole movie. Yeah. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter, but like, when the two zombies kind of like one crashes through a window it looks like one jumped him from above a skylight maybe yeah i guess which which is also just like you know it puts you in the position of like you know they could be coming from everywhere like in anywhere um i thought that scene was pretty obviously we talked about the mark aspect of it and mark's story before he gets killed about like they went to the you know, the train station or whatever, but like 20,000 other people went and then like it started spreading. And because it's 10 to 20 seconds, it just, you know, spread like wildfire through there. Like that was obviously with an $8 million budget, they couldn't film that. But like the story itself was very impactful. I really liked the dialogue in this movie because I felt like everything that anyone said served a direct purpose and it moved um, the story along pretty well especially everything that happens with our Christmas light people. <laughs> yeah. Brendan Gleeson and Hannah. Um, 
that was it was that whole like setup is really cool once they like see them and then they go in the building and there's the carts everywhere and i was just like oh that's so they can't get through and so they climb above it right and then they're walking the stairs and then for no reason whatsoever some zombies are like alerted to go check that area and i was like oh well they won't be able to get through the carts and it's like they fucking just climbed over them right so it's like they you know like in 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 walking dead zombies can't climb stairs they just like walk and so but these are just like fucking they and and then the whole time jim's running up the stairs like selena wait for me she's like "Uh, no we talked about this like i'm out to save me you know i I, we obviously have a character development uh character arc in jim but i think we have a better represented character arc in selena um absolutely she becomes more looking out for other people than just herself throughout the movie. Um, and I guess Jim just becomes less of a coward, more of a go-getter, but you didn't, I don't know about you, but I never really, it wasn't communicated strong enough for me to feel like Jim was some sort of coward in the beginning. Did it for you? No, I think he's a normal person. And I mean, I think they're on different arcs too, right? Like, if, if, if it is an arc, Selena at this point is on like the top of the arc, like at, at her most like savage, right? And he just hasn't gotten there. He'll get there at the very end of the movie and then he'll come back down with her. You know what I mean? They're just, she's been through 28 days of this and he hasn't. So yeah. they're just at different points. Yeah. Um, I also, but like to talk about them not being, she like screams shut up to Jim as they're on the stairs and then she flashes the lights down and then she's like, they're infected. Like she's screaming. I was like, what, what's the, are you, hide, like, make less noise. Yeah, well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, actually, one thing on The Walking Dead that they really get through to you is like, oh, they can, they can't see you. They can obviously hear you and they can smell you, right? So if you are, but we don't know what drives these zombies. Is it sound? Is it sight? Is it smell? Is it all of it, you know? So, well, and it's kind of laid out subtly that the Christmas lights weren't always up. I don't think they, they had gotten desperate and they put them up in the hopes of luring someone else over here. So maybe the Christmas lights also lured the zombies, right? Cause otherwise we don't really have any indication of why they, they came up this building. A sound again, right? Cause what, what was the indication that lured them into Jim's parents' house? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it may have been like, were there candles or something? I don't remember, but it's it, that we don't really get an indication of why they're drawn. The the movie, I think, probably purposely doesn't like get into that. Um, I I personally like that because that that puts in the suspensefulness of they can come at any time from anywhere with no explicable reason, and that's scary to me. Right. As soon as you see the big guy in the riot gear, because I knew Brendan Gleeson was going to be in this, is like that's Brendan Gleeson shaped right there. That's him. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson shaped. Um, and then, so very quickly they realize. Um, just move this along just a bit faster. They go on the roof. Uh, well, okay, it's Frank and his daughter. Frank is played by Brendan Gleeson. Daughter is Hannah. We don't know who the actress is. Um, she they take them in. They seem like nice, pretty nice people. And then Brennan Gleason in the morning shows Jim the roof where he tries to to collect water 
because they ran out of water in the building. And one of the funniest, I think the movie gets a much lighter tone from here because some genuinely funny like things happen between Brendan Gleeson and Killian Murphy. Um, and both of them have starred in their own right, you know, in comedic films. So they have like a comedic charm to them. But I think the funniest joke in the entire movie and the, and the most unrealistic thing about this entire film is that it hasn't rained in London in 11 days. Right. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> I mean, well, it didn't rain. I don't know what to tell you. I'm also trying to find all these comedic movies that Killian Murphy's in. Let me tell you, it's tough. It's real tough. <laughs> uh, Batman Begins, hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, I, you did skip over the fact that Selena is talking to Jim in the apartment. She's like, they're just, they're trying to use us and they're just going to slow us down. And then Brandon Gleason later on is like, the dialogue didn't make exactly sense to me because he's like, we need to go find these soldiers north of Manchester. And she's like, we... He's like, listen, I heard you. I know you think we're going to slow us down and that, and that we need you. And you're right. We do need you because if I die, which foreshadowing, I wrote down foreshadowing as soon as you said it, but he's like, if I die, my daughter's fucked. Um, and he's right. like, so yeah, you're right. I do. I do need you. And then I um, like Hannah who's like, yeah, but, but you need us too. A little. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, it does help, honestly. And, and Hannah, you know, that's foreshadowing too because they did need Hannah in the very end, drugged up Hannah. Um, I do think it does get light for a bit when they start driving the cab and there's like music playing and they're just like joking around, playing cards in the back. Um, the, the grocery store scene is a very light, playful scene. Right, but that happens after the tunnel. And I love when they ask and Chip's like, why the fuck would we go through the tunnel? Take the long way. And then Brennan's just like, uh, no, we're going to go through this. Let's just get it over with. And then the car somehow drives over other cars. Yep. Just easily. Yep. Well, not easily um, because it pops a tire. Right. And I knew I was fairly confident no one was going to die in this tunnel as the zombies are like racing forward, I felt like it was just building the suspense just as like a moment to have suspense, but it still worked on me. Yeah. I was still like, change the fucking tire handle. What are you doing? Yeah. That was super, super suspenseful. Uh, what did you think about the rats? I think it was great because at first you're like, Oh, it's just rats. And then Selena's like, fuck, they're running from the infected. And you can see like the shadows on the wall. And I was like, oh my, like the, the, the trick, because when you see the rats, you're like, oh, okay, so it's, this, this scene is rats. It's not going to be, and then it is, and you're like, oh God. Mm-hmm. Which, which also, I guess, leads you to believe that the, the, the zombies will eat animals too, including well, rats. Just eat animals, but like infect the rats. You have to think about that the chimpanzees were the first to be infected. And then later on, you're, you see um, a bunch of horses and Hannah asks if you think they're infected and they're not, but it's, that's like the scariest thing to me. It's like zombies. Fine. Zombie animals. Fucking shit. <laughs> well, that's uh now you're getting into what, what's that new one? Army of the dead. Yeah. Zombie tiger. Yeah. Zombie tigers. The, I do really enjoy I, I like the light part of this, which doesn't last very long, but you know, they, they go through the store and get uh 
you know, get all their food and stuff and they're joking around and Brendan's like grabs like five bottles of whiskey. Um, did you notice that like after that, there's like this quick scene of them driving through the country and it looks like a Van Gogh painting, just like they had drawn on the flowers. Yeah, I, I didn't know what that was. I assumed it was just kind of like an overexposure with their like shitty camera. Like that's just the effect that it had. I thought it was actually a painting, but I don't know. I didn't I didn't see anything on that. Um, oh, it I thought it was like you didn't see the car moving in the background. No, I did. Oh, but I thought it was like that part of it was. I don't I don't know how how well uh, they could have edited this to add that in two thousand one, but I that's what I thought it was. Well, no, I mean I just I just thought it was a camera effect. Speaking of camera effects, real quick, what about that shot? I'm I'm walking way back here. When they're in the small convenience store with Mark, Selena, and Jim, when they first meet up with each other, there's this shot of like a pan over from sunset or sunrise. And you see Mark's half face in the top left corner of the screen. Okay. And then it's a pan up to reveal that they're all sleeping. Do you know which shot I'm talking about? I don't remember it that well, but go on. Well, Throughout the whole movie, there's all these shots that look superimposed on top of each other. Like another one is a little bit earlier while they're in the in, the convenience. I was going to say the inconvenience store, uh, where Selena's face is oh, superimposed over Mark's uh, talking. Okay. And it was just a reflection off of like one of the glass things, but the way it was shot, it just looked like. I don't know. They they do all these like camera tricks that maybe serve no purpose, but I bet it came out like they thought it was super cool in 2002. Yeah, I didn't even notice most of them because I <laughs> so grainy that like I, I missed a, a good amount of them. Um, at first, I thought the way it was shot that the wind turbines were fake. Oh, yeah. Um. And then they have the scene where it looks like the camera is behind the wind turbines. Like uh, you hear the whooshing as the vehicle's driving farther down the, the highway. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And obviously like the, the fact that they were able to get these highways completely clear, which, you know, they had to do it that way because of the budget constraints and all that. And like the, you know, they're taking up a major highway in, in England. But um, if this were like, you know, in Zombieland, Walking Dead, whatever, when you see it, there's always these points in the highway where there are a ton of cars you can't get to, right? Because people were trying to escape. So the clear highways kind of make a little less sense, but it's also like, what else are you going to, you know, how are you going to, how is she going to do it? Yeah. And I'm sure once the production moved over to like the quote unquote countryside of things, a lot of their budget was like relaxed because it's like, we don't have to keep paying all these police officers. It's, it's way easier to make the countryside look empty than the, than the city. Um, do you remember this scene? Uh, very quickly, they're walking alongside the, the, the motorway tracks uh, no, they're not railroad tracks. They're like subway car tracks. And I read that they paid so much money and got so many people to try, like so many officers to try to stop people from taking the motorway so they could shoot this scene. And for something like three, four hours, um, 
because you know it was in the middle of the day people had to get to work so three four hours shooting this scene where they're walking on the rails and they could only get one minute of usable footage so that's why the scene is like literally 15 seconds long right yeah which i mean makes sense because they're having to shut down like i said they're having to shut down like a major highway for it um the gas scene was also just another like oh let's create some tension and at this point you know jim still doesn't really know what he's doing and so he goes into this like enclosed space and just screams hello is anyone here for no reason like selena's like don't go in there and he's like oh, i want a hamburger you know they say they have hamburgers and then it's just like one little kid is the only one left in there like one kid zombie um I th- that's obviously like a once again just like to build some tension and then he just kills it very quickly yeah but i i thought he was trying to look for trouble because at that point he hasn't killed anyone yet and i thought he was looking for some practice or he was looking for some some action i don't know something right didn't you feel like he was wanting to find trouble at that point no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the way he says it, like, he obviously knows there's not going to be hamburgers in there. There's no, there's no, like, heat. There's nowhere to cook them. So he knows that, that he, that's why he's going in there is for trouble. And the last cheeseburgers that were probably sold there were about 28 days old, so. Yeah, 2930 at this point. Um, you know, you talked about the arc of uh, Selena. You know, they have that picnic scene later, right, before they all sleep in this countryside. Yeah. And uh, she definitely does seem happier, right? right she's you know she's not as like closed off and then she even admits like she's wrong that staying alive is the only thing that they should do and she gives like jim a little kiss um so that is like definitely the arc she's going on it's it's funny too because they almost switch positions where he's sort of like you know she's sort of like nihilistic like oh we just got to stay alive that nothing else matters and he's like doesn't really know what he's doing and now she's like happy other things matter and he's like what no that's not what do you mean um and then they also foreshadow here with the volume because no one can sleep or <laughs> Selena's asleep and Jim wakes up. He's like, how are you sleeping? And she has like the knife with her. And then she like hands over the volume, um, which they use later on Hannah. Yeah. But that, that whole, I, I do enjoy these whole parts like on their way to like meeting up with the army guys. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's what I mean by like, the lighter part of the film i think it just happens from the start of meeting frank and hannah till frank's death um even with like the suspenseful scene in the diner in the tunnel stuff like that no one dies and it's like sandwiched together between more like comedic light lighter hearted scenes they're also like that that whole area has like really beautiful shots and like some great music too behind it which creates like the lightness you're talking about like the tension is is definitely removed from this part of the movie um until then they get to manchester and it's all burning and then they get to where the radio told them to go well even before that you have jim's uh dream which at first I was like, this is so weird. Why would they all just leave him? And then I was like, oh, it's a dream. And then it's revealed that it was a dream. And I was like, oh, of course it was. What, what I find interesting in this next part is it's kind of similar to like 
slasher movies where they kill like the promiscuous woman off. Like they get to this area where the army should be and no one's there. And Selena's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And Frank gets super angry and pissed. And he's like, no, we're not going anywhere. Why would we go anywhere? And then his anger causes him to get infected, right? Because a bird's cawing and there's no need for him to like fuck with this bird, but he goes and kicks it. And very like, unluckily, you know, one blood drop hits him in his eye. It's how um, he becomes Mad-Eye Moody. Didn't. Um, Did you even think of that? No, no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Why would I think of that? Because it's funny as shit. <laughs> Um, also, so then a second later, the army guys come out and sort of save Jim from having to kill Hannah's dad in front of Hannah and right. they shoot him like a hundred times. And then Hannah's like, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I noticed that too. Uh, it's so funny. Cause nothing is really happening in this, in this scene. Um, they get to the army base and no one's there and, and, and Frank is pissed so at this point i decide to go in the next room and like plug in my dying phone and then the blood drop hits him in the eye and i come back and i miss it and all of a sudden he's turning and i was like whoa 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 what the fuck happened and i had to rewind it and i'm like literally the second i get up this happens i think your tv could pause probably uh, nothing was happening. I didn't think anything would happen. Anyway, so yeah, the zombie, the 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 army guys shoot him a hundred times, and then they bring the Jim and the girls back to their to their base, which they turn into like it was a mansion. They turn into a or was it a museum? Because there's all these statues and paintings everywhere, right? Well, in real life, it's a mansion. I I was like, is this like a school or something? You know what I mean? Because all these like British movies, they're like boarding schools. They're like really nice houses. Right. Um, and you know, what's funny is you were at the beginning of this, you were like, oh, you know, this movie went in a different direction than I expected. When I saw the army guy driving the cab in a circle around the other soldier, I was like, oh, fuck. Like I knew exactly where this was going. There are no women around besides these two. And these soldiers who are not actually fucking good soldiers. Like, I knew exactly where this is headed. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want this. Like, it, it's not, the, you it's knew not the movie I really want. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was a little suspicious with them, like, driving the, the cab around like fuckers. But then the one guy was like, hey, guys, stop fucking around. I need to cook. And I was like, oh, I have faith in the cook. The cook seems like a good guy. Right. Well, the cook probably was a good guy but he's it's also like a you know calling a nazi like a good german you know what i mean he's he's allowing all this stuff around him that eventually happens um and then if you didn't know then so there there's this kiss between selena and jim and then the major like hey i want to show you around and the major shows him all these normal things and then shows him a chained up zombie and then explains that the reason he has him here is he wants to see how long it takes him to starve and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this, so this is definitely going to turn out the way I thought. Um, How is which that? Which it does. Hold on. Okay, okay, okay. I get the, I kind of get the whole cab driving around thing. It's like, these aren't good soldiers. These are kind of asshole kids, really, um, in, in army clothing. But how did the zombie being tied up give that? The way the movie turned out, it's like, I understand what he was looking for for that. Now, watching enough Walking Dead... When you have 
military mixed with people who keep zombies around you know <laughs> you know what's about to happen but he had a really good reason it's not like he was being like a weird you know experimental or this was his wife or son zombie he was keeping around this is like he wanted to know how to defeat them you know yeah but the way he was going about it like and the way the camera was on him and it just it was like tonally like this is like a kind of he's fucking he's a little crazy he's not a scientist right so he's a little bit crazy and he's a little bit sadistic because at the end of the day too like you know, when there's zombies on The Walking Dead, these are people missing limbs, right? And they're half of their face and they're just not human anymore. And with these people, it's like, that's a dude you fought with who's just like very angry right now, but it's the same guy, right? And like, you're just going to starve him to death. Like, Did you notice that too? That that he, like that zombie wasn't just rage, 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 like at the end of his chain, just trying to bite him. He had like paws about him. He had like like thought, exhaustion, like when the door closed. No, or absolutely. He, he only attacked when when he felt like Killian was close enough, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. So to do that to someone you were close with is like, you know, I think you're I think something's wrong with you. Um and then there's the dinner scene, which is is, you know, whatever, but you you do get in that dinner scene, you do get kind of which soldiers are which. There's like the philosopher guy who like no none of the other soldiers seem to like. And then there's all the other soldiers who are just like the way they talk in front of Hannah, you know, who's just lost her father and she's a fucking child is like, once again, you can tell these aren't good people. Right. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, but then there's an explosion outside. And that is a really cool scene as they're like, one guy's like, I, I hit one. I hit one. He's like, what are you doing? You can't like turn around and shoot some more. Like they're still coming. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> um, the before all this, when they were showing like how protected they are, I was like, "This is a cool setup." And then, like you said, to see it executed almost right away is a cool scene. Um, I guess I'm stupid and naive. Uh, I did not realize the direction this was going into. Although I knew the movie was getting close to the end. So I thought like either this is going to work out great or this is going to go really, really bad, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think you had to realize that once uh, the one soldier Mitchell, who is besides the major, like probably the worst soldier, like worst as in like evil. Yeah. Like, you know, makes a move on Selena. Yeah. And it's, and then you see Jim try and stop him and Jim immediately gets kind of neutralized. And then the, uh, the philosopher guys like, Oh, you know, you guys need to stop this. And the major comes in and yells at the philosopher guy. Right. And so then you kind of know like, okay, this is, this is where everything's set up. Um, well, I think it, yeah, I think at that point I knew like Mitchell was bad and maybe a couple of the others were, but I didn't realize this was everyone's game at that point. And then the major sat down with Jim and was like explaining to him like, Hey, uh, we sent out that broadcast, not really to pick up dudes, but to pick up chicks. I promised them women. And then that's when I was like, Oh, wow. This is, this is the type of movie we are in now. 
And that's, yeah. that's why it came so unexpected to me. Cause I didn't realize that this like waking up in the middle of the zombie apocalypse in a hospital urban scenery was going to come down to the final battle being in this like mansion in the middle of the country against military dudes. Right. And so, yeah, the major tells, te- it's, it's funny. The major tells him like, Oh, I promised them women. And then Jim immediately with no subtlety whatsoever is like, all right, we got to escape. Um, and that immediately gets stopped. Right. Uh, and then the major's like, hey, you know, this is going to happen. Can you, can you just accept it? And he's like, no. He's like, all right, well, we got to fucking kill you too. Along with the philosophy captain. Which is interesting because, you know, they're, they have their guns drawn on, the, on him and he has his drun, gun drawn on them. And it's like, why would you let them overtake you? Like, if you're, if you're going to pull your gun, you got to use it. Don't pull your gun and then just let them grab you because that's, that's why you ended up dead. And, and then the they take them out, take them out to like the back. They take them far out to kind of the fence. And the, oh, the guy's name is Farrell, by the way. And uh, Mitchell is going to stab Farrell. And then it's uh, the other soldier. I don't know if it's the cook, but it's just another scared soldier. And he's like, what, what the fuck? Just shoot him. And Farrell's like, or Mitchell's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, save the bullets. And then he just shoots them, which lets Jim escape. The escape is really cool from yeah. Billy Murphy. Yes. I thought that was cool. Although I couldn't tell, I almost thought it was the, I couldn't tell at first if he actually had climbed the wall or if that was like a fake climbing the wall to, uh, to throw them off. But then when you see what happens next, it's obviously real. Um, but that whole scene is cool. Every scene with the, the soldiers and the girls before like that ends, I'm just like very creeped out and just like, I don't want this to fucking happen. Like, can we like, I don't want this to get very far. Like, I don't want to watch this. I love though the air, the air raid siren going off. I, it, the air raid siren goes off. And so they send the major and one other soldier. Yeah. I didn't get that either. I assumed it was going to be like most of them, but I think the reason it wasn't is because you want the scene the way you want the scene at the end. Like you want the amount of people to die. And so you're trying to be consistent with that. But um, yeah, the scene where it also, it works out to give Jim like a more believable arc about how he can like kill these people. Cause he takes out the one dude. Cause that dude's kind of scared and he has the higher ground. Um, and then he just sort of fucks over the major by like pulling the, you know, disabling the car. And like, uh, like that, that was all a very like good and convincing scene to me. Um, with uh, with what they did in the mansion, I thought was super impressive. Um, as far as the way everything was shot, it just felt like they used that space really well. Even though I don't think they actually had, like wasn't half of the mansion like unable to use, but you felt like, everything that they were able to use was used really well. And it wasn't a set. It was an actual, you know, house. What's funny is it all seemingly made sense, like the way that it was set up and it was seemingly easy to follow, but apparently they could only film on the bottom half of it. Yeah. Because the people that owned the house were actually living upstairs while they were filming. Um, But everything, 
everything sort of looked real and it like looked like it was easy to kind of follow where stuff was. And I mean, could, could you imagine trying to explain to the homeowners like, hey, we're going to break like 50 windows of your home, but don't worry, we're going to replace them and pay you a shit ton of money. Not a shit ton, but a good amount of money. Yeah. An amount of money agreed upon that you want to accept. <laughs> yeah. But it, when they were going up the stairs, it really felt like they were going up the stairs. When they were in the, in the, uh, in the movie, Jim went upstairs and, and in what seemed like a nursery, like a baby's room. Right. Um, and then he jumped out the window, went over the roof. That all happened on the ground floor. And it was just super impressive to me now thinking about it, how that not for a second did I think that they weren't able to use the upper half of that place. No, yeah, absolutely. And so when Jim gets back, he immediately releases the zombie, which is crucial to his victory. And then he, uh, what, he, I think he kills the cook, you know, take out the easy one first. And then he goes upstairs and the, I don't know his name, but the black soldier is just hiding. He's like, I don't have no bullets. <laughs> like, please don't, please, please leave me alone. And then they, that immediately leads the other zombies to come in there and uh, well, I thought ravage him. I thought that was risky. Like you release the zombie, and you you ha- have the possibility of it infecting Selena and Hannah. It's risky, but it's also it's him versus him with his. Uh, he had a gun, right? I think. Did yeah, he? he had the gun because he stabbed. Well, he he got a hold of gun, but either way, it's it's one versus like five. You have to even the numbers up. Eight. Either way, don't care. So you have to even the numbers up and that's by releasing that zombie that, I mean, that's why he was able to succeed. So, you know, this is like hindsight's twenty twenty, but he ended up winning. So I don't really know why you can quibble with it. I quibble with it because you release the zombie, it, you risk killing the people that you're trying to save, the reason you're back there in the first place. And you're also in risk of making more super fast killer zombies. Yeah, I think he had less of a chance of saving Hannah and Selena if he just tried to kill them themselves. Do you think all those guns were for show? Because it really felt like they were very, um, well, it's weird, right? Because I don't think he had bullets. That's why he had to use the bayonet part of that gun to kill the cook. And then the black guy didn't have bullets, but they just wasted Brendan Gleeson on like 100 bullets when they didn't really need to. And then their machine gun out front had like a million bullets, but none of the individual soldiers seemed like they had a lot of bullets. Uh, well, once again, they're not good soldiers. They're wasting a lot of ammo that they don't need to. And he may have had bullets when he stabbed the cook, but he didn't want to make noise. Ah, okay. Um, I didn't think about that. That's because you would have gotten killed by the soldiers very quickly. A lot. Nah, dude, I wouldn't have even made it out of the city. You would have walked out of the hospital <laughs> drinking a Pepsi and just been <laughs> eaten alive. Um, yeah, the whole... 20, 28 seconds later. A short film. Um, <laughs> that whole scene, though, is very tense. Um, but I do enjoy getting to when Killian is just sort of like stalking Mitchell as he's holding Selena, right? Mm-hmm. And Mitchell, Mitchell has basically decided things are going wrong, so I'm going to try and take Selena like right now for myself. And Killian just basically comes in, and to the point where Selena thinks he has been infected, 
just kills Mitchell with his bare hands, like stabs his eyes out with his thumbs. Um, that's a very satisfying scene because of how evil Mitchell is, which is like why they made him so evil and why they allowed it to happen this way. Um, but then I think it's funny that Selena almost kills him and she realizes he's normal. And then Hannah sees them kissing and thinks that he's trying to bite Selena. So she hits him with a glass. Yeah. Which by the way, we haven't even talked about the comic relief of Hannah walking around drugged up on Valium, just doing whatever she wants. I didn't even think she was able to take enough Valium. I thought the soldier stopped her pretty quickly, but I guess she swallowed those pills pretty fast. Yeah, she, she knew what she was doing. I, um, I didn't think she took any either. I also didn't understand why the soldier didn't want her to have the Valium. Did he think there, she was trying to kill her maybe? And that's why he's maybe. like, no, no, no. Rapists is fine, but we will not be necrophiliacs. That's where, they, that's where these soldiers draw the lines. That's gross. Um, um so but it is, it's a very satisfying it's a very satisfying final scene um up to that point especially with mitchell's death i yeah it is um even even the major's death is pretty awesome yeah when when killian gets shot you just assume immediately that he's gonna die right but then the way that hannah took out the major was just you're like what the fuck are you doing hannah and then she just gets him killed immediately like all right hannah I thought this was a suicide mission. I thought Hannah was going to off herself and off the major. If Hannah just basically, when she takes Valium, turns into like Bradley Cooper from Limitless. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, did you recognize the major, the actor who played the major? I didn't recognize him. He looks so much like Ray Fiennes, though. Yep. But it is um, not Ray Fiennes, obviously. I thought, I thought it was one of his brothers. I was like, that's definitely a fines. And then I looked it up and I was like, that is not a fines. Joseph? That's not a fines, boy. Um, um, I did not appreciate was the freeze frame roller coaster shot as they go through the gate. It's an early 2000s film. You got to just, this was, let, this was made in the co- same year as Daredevil. Okay. You got to. <laughs> that that, that would have made sense. If this was a comedy, that would have been the first shot of the movie. Let me tell you how we got here. <laughs> it's like um like train spotting <laughs> it's like uh, my yeah, name exactly. is my name is jim and uh you're probably wondering how i got in this precarious situation uh, another danny boyle production um you know the uh all the actors apart from maybe brennan gleason were basically unknown and that's just hilarious to me how this was like killings murphy killing murphy's like first main movie well what's cool is so the woman that recommended so originally ewan mcgregor was supposed to have this part but him and danny boyle had fallen out on the beach because he gave that part to leo i was gonna say ewan is not in the beach and then ryan gosling was supposed to have this part too which is interesting because he's not british british yeah um so i don't know how they would ryan gosling with an accent would have been funny although uh, Killian's not British either. He's Irish. But the woman, there was a woman who told Danny Boyle, you should hire Killian Murphy for this. And he and he ended up hiring Killian Murphy. That woman ended up playing Killian Murphy's sister in Sunshine, the one that's on Earth and like sees the sun come back at the very end of the movie. Oh. What's weird about that, though, is that Basically, he wanted unknown actors because he wanted the movie's story to 
make it famous and not, you know, go off of just star power. So it would be weird that they would even think about hiring Ewan or Ryan Gosling. But that might just be some bullshit thing you say on a DVD commentary after the movie came out. I wanted unknown actors. It's not like my eight million budget couldn't afford them. It's just I wanted them. Because known actors didn't want to be in this. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Except Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson will do anything. And he, he heightens everything he does. That's true. It's true. Um, I, I like, I liked the epilogue of this. Um, yes. it, was a little, it was a little confusing, but purposely so. I also think that the side of that mountain, I, I was like, why is it, how does hell turn into help? You know what I mean? Cause there's the flash in his like little dream of like, it's saying hell. And I was like, that's, you can't spell help that way at all. Well, that's true. But then I, then again, I thought, you know how some cities have, their city uh, name on the side of the mountain. I I know that there's places in Europe called hell. And I just thought that was one of the places. I think it's spelled, I think the whole movie, they may have wanted it to say help at the end, but like, oh, we wanted to say hell in this flash. So we'll just have it say hello. And then they don't actually need help. So that's why they're not going to say help. You know what I mean? Because I thought they were going to be asking for help, but then it seems like they're just kind of chilling in this cottage, right? And like, everything's all right. Yeah. Um, I also, when, it, when he woke up, I thought, oh, this is the first time he, he's waking up. But he comes downstairs and like, Selena's like not paying attention to him. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And then I right. remember he was like, oh, even the curtains, because they had taken the curtains and he knew they were using them to spell out the thing on the hill. I was like, oh, so that's all pretty cool. Yeah. Well, especially because when he wakes up, it says 28 days later. And the last time we saw that, he was waking up out of a, out of a coma. Right. right. And so, yeah, I mean, I totally thought the same thing too. And, you know, you go down that same thing. I also think that they weren't spelling help because two reasons. One, you could assume that the people spelling help are infected. I I, I guess not really because the infection happened so fast, but it could help is almost like a warning in this kind of state of being. But also, hello, ending a film with the message hello instead of help is way more hopeful. And that would be like ending on a more positive part of the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And the whole whole ending is is very positive. From hell Um, to hello? Well, yeah, because it's a little bit of like, oh, shit, is this, are things bad? No, things are good. And you also, you mentioned at the top, you wanted to kind of talk about like, is this worldwide? Is this just Britain? And I know you kind of read the same thing I did about how, you know, Selena says, oh, I heard that this is in Paris and New York. But then you have Farrell when he's tied to the radiator saying like, oh, fucking in America, they're just still watching the Simpsons while we're all dying over here. Um, And what I read was that Boyle originally wanted this to be worldwide. And then as they're filming, because they filmed it in order, he was like, you know what, maybe I don't. And that's why he added that part with uh, Farrell and the radiator. Well, so maybe... um you also get a sense that it's not because he, uh, Killian looks up in the sky and he sees an airplane. Right. And apparently 28 weeks later does like, it definitely like lets you know, which is which, uh, eventually it's a little ambiguous in this, um, because the airplane, there could just be kind of, you know, some pockets of actual army men who, who know what they're fucking doing instead of like these rapists. Right. Of course. I really like this movie. I, 
like I said in the beginning, I didn't quite know where the story was going to go. Um, but it was an interesting story. Like the, the ending was interesting, especially how they got to the ending. I quite liked. I, uh, as far as zombie movies, pretty good. As far as movies starting with a number around 30, also pretty good. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, if we're going to, we'll do 28 Days with Sandra Bullock next and see how that stacks up. But I... um, That's a zombie movie? Some people consider alcoholics to be sort of like zombies. Some of them are filled with rage. I had very high expectations for this movie. And so the fact that I came out of it and they sort of met those, um, I think says a lot about it. I, it, when you have these like post-apocalyptic dystopian type things, like, you know, people just turn into like, oh, the purge, but 24 seven, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of where these movies tend to go. And it's, they tend to go that way because that's how we feel people would act. That's like the faith we have in people. Right. And so I also give this movie credit because it's come out so long ago, right? Like in 2002, I was 15 and I hadn't seen a ton of movies and I've seen so many since then. And so, you know, I don't want to take credit away from it being like, I've seen all this before because this came before a lot of that. So I really like the movie a lot. Uh, I'm definitely glad we talked about it. I don't know that I, I probably will watch 28 weeks later long before next year if we plan on doing it. So you may have to just hold off if we want to try and do that one next year. Oh, I kind of want to watch it like tonight. I'm like super interested. <laughs> well, we'll just record it now. And we'll, we'll post it next year. Yeah, that, 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 that'll work out. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And, and we, we finally watched... Finally watched. 28 28 days days later. later.